So go ahead and open up your Bibles now to the book of Exodus, chapter 28. The uh, title of today's message is called The Clothing of the High Priest, uh, Strength and Love. Strength and Love. And while you're getting your Bibles open to the book of Exodus, I'm going to, I'm going to read a, another verse to you, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says, um, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So the author of Hebrews says, We are to consider our high priest, Jesus. We're going to be studying the original high priest today, but in our study, uh, we're, going to, we're going to highlight and show how this high priest is really Jesus in every way. And all of his clothing is going to show us something of Jesus and his character. And so I'm really excited. But, but hard hearts cannot receive the word of God, so we need to pray uh, just a quick prayer to uh, allow the Lord to come in and speak to us. Father, we ask Uh, We come into your presence by the blood of Jesus, bearing that on our own soul and heart. We believe that the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all sin and that we can come into your presence. And and as your children, we can sit at your feet and your word can uh, be spoken to us. And Father, we pray that you give us a heart to understand what your word says. Um, Not even everyone in here speaks English. And so we pray that your spirit would do the translating, would do the speaking and bless every single person in here. Father, we believe in your sufficiency, and we thank you so much for the family you've developed around us, and we pray that we would serve and love each other uh, with all our hearts. Amen. So today we're going to see two life-changing truths about uh, Jesus when we consider the high uh, priest. The first one is that he is strong, and the second one is that he is loving. Okay? Not too hard. That's what we're going to learn, that God, Jesus is strong and loving. So the strength and love of Jesus is going to be foreshadowed through the clothing of the high priest that we're going to see. Uh, one verse, one of my favorite songs by Enter the Worship Circle, like a, uh, I think the second circle, says, um, two things have I heard from uh, the word that you have spoken. You, O oh God, are strong. You, O oh God, are loving. You guys ever heard that song? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Exactly. That's, that's the song I was thinking of. Okay. Well, I found the verse that, that was connected to that, and it's Psalm 62:11, and it says, God, once God has spoken, twice I heard this, that power belongs to God, and loving kindness is yours, O Lord. And that's the verse that they wrote that song about. So strength and, and love. Uh, ability and willingness is another way you could say that. Ability and willingness. Uh, this is what God wants you to learn about him today at church. Um, so why should you care? Why should we care? I, I have basically two minutes at the beginning of a sermon to, to make you care. If you don't get connected in the first two minutes, then you're probably going to be thinking about, you know, Thanksgiving and pies and, and your, you know, TV show you're watching or whatever. You're going to drift. So I want the first two minutes, I want to I show you why you should care. Number one, if we don't know that Jesus is strong, we will not have the confidence to trust him when we need strength. We're going to be full of doubt 
and we're going to be tempted to trust in ourselves instead of Jesus. So self-confidence is rendered useless and broken when we really believe that Jesus is strong. Okay? So do you guys, are you sold on the fact that we should know Jesus is strong? Okay, I hope so. Second thing, if, if, you, if we don't know that Jesus is loving, if we don't believe that he's loving, we're going to be tempted to seek out love in other relationships to satisfy us. We're going um, to soon learn by experience that everybody fails us, and so we're going to be tempted then to love ourselves more. And this will lead to a, lead to a life of anger, bitterness, and self-absorption. And we will get lost in a black hole of self-pity and self-focus that ends up, and we will end up resenting everybody, including ourselves. Because nobody loves like Jesus. Nobody. And if your life is, is getting value from the love of another, another person, it will fail you and it is a bad road to go down. You cannot be satisfied in your heart, in your soul, by anything except Jesus Christ. So I hope that I have encouraged you and shown you why we should care about these high priest clothes today, because these high priest clothes are going to show these two lessons in a really beautiful way. So let's get started in Exodus chapter 28, verse 1. Now take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priest. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for the glory and for beauty. So you shall speak to all the gifted artisans whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest. These are the garments which you shall make, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully worn tunic, a turban, and a sash. And uh, you, so you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, that he may minister to me as priest. So Aaron is going to be the high priest. Where is Moses at this point in time? On the mountain. Up, surrounded by fire. God is sustaining him for 40 days in the middle of his glory. And God is, is and where's Aaron? He's partying at the bottom, not really partying. They're having a rough time. The people are coming to him, and we're going to learn about this in chapter 33. And Aaron is in the process of making golden idols for the people. Aaron has completely abandoned God. Aaron is a total failure at this very moment. And what does God do? God is planning his covering. God is planning on how he's going to use Aaron and how he's going to pour love on Aaron and how Aaron is going to serve him. And what a gracious God we have, right? Just amazing. And Aaron's sons, and we, and we, we learned last week about that, and we learned last week about the names of his kids, how all of the names of his kids point back to Jesus, right? And Aaron's own name means what? Anyone remember? 25 Jesus points off for grabs. Aaron's name means light bringer, light bringer, which is, of course, a perfect point right at Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. So as we, we're seeing Aaron, we're seeing that he is pushing us to look at Jesus, and we're going to obey Hebrews 3.1, which is to consider Jesus. So these, are, these clothes that Aaron, we're going to describe here, and we're going to learn about, they're all going to show that Jesus is full of strength and full of love. God says that um, 
He will fill workers, did you see that? Gifted artisans with the spirit of wisdom, which means everything about these clothes and the process of making these clothes is from God. He sources it, he designs it, and we need the spirit to be able to understand all that his heart has put into these clothes. Because I, I, I got to be honest with you, when we Americans read this chapter, we're like, what does that mean to me? What is that for me? And what's really sad is that that is missing out on so much of God's heart that is written on these pages. We miss out. We are calloused. We are dumb when it comes to understanding scriptures at when we first start. We have to learn how to skillfully and with a soft heart hear the Spirit teach to us these things. The Word of God is filled with treasures, and He doesn't just give them to the person who just skims it. God hides these treasures for the heart that will seek Him. David said, your word said to seek the Lord, and I said, my Lord, I will seek you. I will seek you. I will investigate. I will see what you have for me. And that's kind of what we're going to do today. His spirit designed this. He even filled the workers who made these things with his spirit so that every single part of it would show the beauty of his son, Jesus. And this is all for the purpose, these clothes, of Aaron serving God. Men are only complete when they're serving God. It's what men were created to do. Jesus is the perfect servant, and he serves with a very special job, and that job is he is the ultimate high priest or the great high priest. So Jesus, again, is this, the, the, the thing that this high priest foreshadows is Jesus. Now, we could study this and we could get all into it, but foreshadows aren't there to be loved, okay? Now, remember, I've told this illustration before, but let's say I go on a trip, a long trip, and, or here, Raquel is going on a trip this week. We're sending her to a, a worship leaders conference in California. So Isaac, he's downstairs right now. I'm going to pick on him. Um, he, <laughs> she's going to go away. I already talked to Isaac. He said he's going to be miserable the entire time that she's away for four days. He's not going to shower. He's not going to eat. He's just going to pine away his love. He's going he's gonna to love her. Okay, so she's going to come back. And wouldn't it be silly for Isaac to see her coming back and as she's coming down the, you know, the driveway you know, and the sun is out and the sun is creating a shadow, he goes and he just starts hugging the shadow and kissing the shadow when she gets home. Wouldn't that be silly of Isaac? Absolutely, because that's not the real thing. Okay, The real thing is his wife and he's going to slather her with affection. And it's going to be great. Slather is a strange word for that, I agree. But... <laughs> It just came to me in the moment. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, it would be strange. It would be strange. But the, the real point is to love the, the person. Okay? So some people are like, oh, the high priest. And, the, and they look at all these foreshadows and they're like, it's so important for us to just love these. But they miss out on, on seeing that it's Jesus. And, and if we, eh, you guys get the, the point, right? Okay. I don't have to go any further on that. So let's get started looking at all of the, the different parts. So first we're going to look at the ephod. Everyone say ephod because it's fun to say. Ephod. All right. There shall, uh, they shall take a gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen 
and they shall make an ephod of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen, artistically worked. Now, if this was the first time we were getting into all these colors and stuff, I would take one week and describe each and every one of these colors and what it means about Jesus. But we've been doing this for a while, and these colors have been making appearances over and over and over. So uh, what does is, what is gold represent in the Bible? Deity, divinity, it's God. Okay, blue represents heaven. So he's God, he's from heaven. Uh, the purple, he's royalty, that's a royal cover color. Uh, the scarlet thread speaks of the blood and the sacrifice that he would make. And then the fine woven linen, the perfectly white, speaks of purity in his sinless nature. Every, the, the God is consistent with what he talks about. And so uh, I'm not going to spend forever talking about those things, but just remember, everything in the tabernacle uses these same colors, and they represent the same things, and they point towards Jesus, 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 always getting us towards Jesus. Verse 7, so it uh, shall have two shoulder straps joined at its two edges, and so it shall be joined together, and intricately woven band of the ephod which is on it shall be made of the same workmanship, made of gold, blue, purple, scarlet, thread, and fine woven linen. Matt, if you got time, would you pull up a picture of the high priest, just an animated thing or whatever, um, so that they can get an idea? I had some, but I didn't get them loaded yet. Um, then you, verse 9, Then you shall take two onyx stones, and engraved on them shall be the names of the sons of Israel. Six names on one stone and six names on the other stone in the order of their birth. And when the work, with the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet, you shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel, and you shall set them in settings of gold, and you shall put the two stones on the shoulders as, a memori- as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. So Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial. And you shall make also settings of gold, and you shall make two chains of pure gold like braided cords and fasten the braided chains to the settings. So the ephod, what we just read about, was like a fancy apron that the high priest would wear. Uh, it, was, it was down here, and it would have a lower part, but this part, will, the breastplate, we'll talk about in a minute. But the ephod hung around the shoulders, and it was joined at the shoulders right up here with two onyx stones. And then onyx stones on the onyx stones were engraved all the names of the people of God. And so um, this is an illustration for us, and that's a picture that Aaron should bear their names on his shoulders, which means is, is a picture of strength or having the strength to bear with the people, to bear their needs, to bear with their weaknesses. And, of course, this is talking directly about Jesus. Um, Jesus bears his people on his shoulders. He, bear, he bears their sin on his shoulders. And we are kept by the power of God. When we are weak, he is strong. Okay? We don't have the strength to go to heaven ourselves. We have to ask the Lord, bear me up. Pick me up. You are strong, but I am weak. Okay, I'm going to read to you 2 Timothy 1.12. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed him to that day. And so I got a question for you guys. Are you confident in the strength of Jesus? to bear you through any circumstance. 
How about if he asked you to suffer, would you be willing to suffer? If he asked you to go through something uncomfortable, would you be willing? If he asked you to lose everything, like Paul told Timothy here, lost, losing everything, would you be willing to lose everything for, because you trust that he was bearing you up? To have nothing and be nothing in this life so that Jesus can do whatever he wants in you and for you. The ability or strength of Jesus is put on display for you. His, your name is on his shoulders. He bears you up and he is strong enough for your problems. Do you guys ever just not bring your problems to the Lord because you think he wouldn't handle them or he's not strong enough? No, we need to believe that he is strong enough for your problems, for your weakness. Sometimes we don't think God is, is able to bear with us because we are so weak. We, we don't think we'll ever change. So we neglect bringing every part of our life before the Lord and we, we hide things back and say, man, I'm, I'm just going to sulk away for this part of my life in this area and keep it back from the Lord. That's because we're really not convinced that he's strong enough to change us. Do we think he's strong enough for our trials and our tribulations that we're going through? He can take care of you. And that's what these two rocks, these heavy rocks that he put on his shoulders, that's what they symbolize. That's what they picture. So does that mean he will stop everything bad from happening in your life just because he can? No. Someone say that louder. No. He allows everyone to have free will and yet, okay, so, so people are going to have free will, so they're going to hurt you, they're going to they're going to, you know, offend you and they're going to, their free will, they're taking it to hurt you. And God is not going to stop that. But he has the power and strength to transform those sinful choices of other people and the hurt they cause us into glory and joy for us. That's what he does. And that is so much more powerful than even just stopping them from doing what they wanted to do. He can transform it to our glory. If we wait, we will see his power displayed for us if we wait upon him and trust him. I don't know how long sometimes we'll have to wait, but I do know God is strong enough to turn any bad thing into our good. Romans 8, 28, right? All right, so the next piece of clothing. So that's the ephod. Now, one other word that was, that was mentioned there is how was the names put onto the rocks? Do you guys remember? The word that was used? Engraving. Right. 22 Jesus points. Well done. Well done. <laughs> engraved. Does that make you think of anything with Jesus? How about he has engraven our names on his palms? Jesus works with engraving. And I just think that that's cool that the word engraving is used for the shoulder rocks. But also Jesus says, I've engraved you in my palms. I bear you up. I hold you. What love he displays for us. It's amazing. So the next thing we talk about is the breastplate. And this breastplate is going to talk about the heart and love of Jesus, okay? So let's start in verse 15. You shall make a breastplate of judgment, according, uh, excuse me, artistically woven according to the workmanship of the ephod. You shall make it of gold, blue, purple, scarlet, thread, and fine woven linen. You shall make it. It shall be doubled into a square. A span shall be its length and a span shall be its width. That's the length of a hand like this. So that's how big it was. 
Uh, you shall put settings of stone in it, four rows of stones. The first row will be a sardis, a topaz, and emerald. The, that's, that's the first row. The second row, uh, row should be a turquoise, a sapphire, and a diamond. The third row, a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, beryl, onyx, and jasper. And they shall be in settings of gold. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, 12, according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, each one with its own name. And it shall be according to the 12 tribes. And you shall make chains for the breastplate at the end, like braided cords of pure gold. And you shall make two rings of gold for the breastplate. Put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate, and you shall put uh, the two braided chains of gold into the two rings, which are the ends of the breastplate. And on the other two ends of the two braided chains, you shall fasten two settings and put them on the shoulders of the straps uh, of the ephod in the front. And you shall make the two rings of gold and put them on the two ends of the breastplate on the edge of it, which is on the inner side of the ephod. And then the two other rings of gold you shall make and put them on the two shoulder straps underneath the ephod toward its front, right at the seam above the intricately woven band of the ephod. Verse 28, And you shall bind the breastplate by means of its rings to the rings of the ephod using a blue cord, so that it is above the intricately woven band of the ephod, so that the breastplate does not come loose from the ephod. Verse 29, so Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart when he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. So a few things we see in this text that, that draw our interest. Number one, there's precious stones that represent you, the people of God. You are represented as a precious Stone. He doesn't say get stones of concrete and stupid river rocks. He says precious stones. And that shows how much Jesus values you. And each of these stones was different, right? Each of them had a different color and all these things. And this shows that you are precious, but you're also unique. You are very different than every other person that God has ever known and created. And he knows you and he loves you the way you are. He made you the way you are. And he's going to work. He, he's going to love you and transform you into his image, but it doesn't change that you are unique. When you go to the gemstone area of the Denver Museum of Natural History, you guys been there? I love that part. It's my favorite part, right? I'm always like, we have to go see the, the, the stones. Uh, you're going to see that all the precious gemstones in the museum right over here on 20th, right? They, they all have one thing in common. And that is that they all have big, bright, shiny lights shining on them. Why? No one could ever enjoy the beauty of these stones if they weren't in the light. Me, people couldn't enjoy it. And it's the same true for each and every human that's ever been born. God loves them, God values them, and thinks that they're precious, but nobody is going to enjoy your uniqueness and who God has made you to be if we're not walking and abiding in the light of Jesus. He is the light of the world. So some people, they, they hate God and they, they leave God and, and they want to live their whole life and they're constantly trying to prove that they're something special. We call these people celebrities. And, and they're constantly trying to prove and show why they're cool and their shoes are cool and their jackets are cool and their movies are cool. And they're constantly trying to work 
towards something being new and cool and I, am, I have value in me. They're trying to prove it to you. But any child of God who just sits in Jesus' presence and enjoys the, the light of Christ, we don't have to try to prove our glory. God's glory shines on us and, all, and shows the world what he's made you, how special and precious he has made you. Don't ever think that you need to be popular or you need to try to prove why you're an individual. God has made you that way. And just trust that he sees you as a precious stone and he loves you. Of course, this breastplate being above the heart is clearly representing Jesus' love for each and, and in every individual person. Notice that each of the stones was set in gold. Did you see that? That means God's power holds us there. God's power holds, not our own power. We abide in him, we rest in him, and his power holds us there. And the most important thing to see here is that the stones were chained to the heart of the high priest. They were chained in position. He couldn't just wiggle out of it like Harry Houdini, and he didn't want to because he had them chained to his heart. This means that the priest was supposed to truly love the people that he was serving and, and to serve them out of a heart of self-sacrifice and commitment. It's not a job for the high priest. It was supposed to be his passion. Have you ever had a job you were not passionate about? <laughs> How many of you are in a job now you're not passionate about? Have you ever been in a job that you were passionate about? Boy, is there a difference waking up and going to work when you're actually passionate about the job that you have? Where your heart is in it? And so many times the boss comes and says, hey, we can tell your heart's not in it. We're going to let you go. And a lot of times I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> Even though, you know, it's getting fired, whatever sucks. But, you know, it's to, to, we all know that if we're not doing something that our heart's in, it just becomes a, a bummer. Now, what if Jesus felt that way about serving us as our high priest? Where he's like, these darn people, they never do what they're supposed to do. They're always messing up. They're never thankful. They, they just expect, you know, what if he had that heart? But he doesn't. His heart is so perfect. It's so loving. It's so kind that he bears with our weakness. He provides strength for our weakness. And he truly loves us. He knows that you have a you'd had a terrible week and you screwed up a whole bunch. And he's like, hey, we're going to be okay. I'm going to carry you through. I am going to walk with you. I love you. And you cannot do anything to change how much I love you. And my love is actually going to win the day. I am going to transform you. I'm going to show you that all this stuff that we're worried about doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is us understanding his love and walking in that light. We have precious value when we're attached to his heart. How about that? Is that cool or what? I love it. All right, our next, uh, well, no, no, let's do a brief little word study. We saw this in both when it's talking about the strength and the rocks here. They were a memorial before the Lord. And then we saw this breastplate was a memorial before the Lord. And so it got me thinking, a memorial, why would, a memorial means reminder. That's the Hebrew, it just means a, a reminder, daily reminder. And so I was thinking in my mind, but why does God need reminders? Does he like sometimes forget that he loves you? 
or forget that he has to bear with your weakness. That's how we think sometimes that God thinks that. Um, obviously, he knows everything. But what I learned studying this word study, and you can go do some word studies yourself, but what I learned is that he places memorials even before himself because he delights uh, to remember us and he delights to think about us. It delights his heart and satisfies his love to think, yes, I love you. It's kind of like wearing a wedding ring. He's just, it delights him to say, I'm married to that girl. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. I love it. Uh, so he loves to be reminded of you. And that's why he puts a lot of these things uh, in our paths. All right, the next thing we're going to talk about is the Urim and the Thummim. Verse 30, and you shall put a breastplate of judgment on the ur- in the breastplate of judgment, the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes before the Lord. Shall er- so Aaron shall bear judgment to the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. Urim and the Thummim are two possibly rocks, maybe like a white one and a black one, where they would find out the will of God by pulling them out. Uh, we're actually going to spend next week talking about those two verses right there. So we're not going to tell you all about him right now, but just know they were two rocks that he held in a pouch somewhere connected on the, on the thing here. We'll talk about that next week because it has a lot to do with knowing God's will. It's too much of a conversation for today, but we'll talk about it next week. So if you're curious about it, come back next week. All right, the robe is the next thing we see. Verse 31, and you shall make a robe of the, of the ephod, all of blue. Uh, what does blue represent in the Bible? Heaven, right? Good job. And then you shall have an opening for his head in the middle of it, and it shall be woven, binding all around its opening like an opening of a coat of mail, so it does not tear. And upon its hem you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet all around its hem, and bells of gold between them all around. The golden bell and and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe all around. And it shall be upon Aaron with his ministers, and its sound will be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, and when he comes out, that he may not die. So this blue robe speaks of, for our, we're considering Jesus, okay, the heavenly resource and sources, source of Jesus, that he came from heaven and he lived upon heavenly resources. You can see the blue there, you know, the, the colory part, let me show you just in this picture, the color, the, the like checkered color part of the apron, that's the ephod. You got the breastplate, the two uh, shoulder pieces up there. And the, right now we're on the blue robe that's over on top of the white part. Um, so on this robe, on the bottom was these bells and pomegranates. So it alternated a bell, a pomegranate, a bell, and a pomegranate. And uh, these are interesting. So wherever the priest would go, people would hear the sound of praise. That's what these bells represented, was praise. And pomegranates... Uh, represent fruit, and specifically a fruit of wisdom. And um, so we could do a whole study on pomegranates and a whole study on bells. Uh, Basically, they represent praise and and wisdom and and fruit. Okay, so everywhere that Jesus goes, everywhere that he's talked about, every time we have a Bible study about him, guess what's happening? God is being praised because we're talking about Jesus. And God will produce fruit because that's what Jesus does. His life just produces fruit wherever he's talked about, wherever he's praised, wherever he goes. And though, so the Bible says, wherever two or three are gathered, Jesus says, I am there with them in their midst. And so think about how we are praising God. Praising God doesn't mean singing songs. It, it, it's 
it's a connection and a, and a dependence upon Jesus that produces that. All right, the next thing we see is the turban. This is another fancy word for a hat. You should also make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it, like the engravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord. And you shall put it on a blue cord that it may be on the turban or the hat, and it shall be on the front of the turban. And so it shall be on Aaron's forehead, that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel hallow in their holy gifts. And it shall be always on his forehead that, he, that they may be accepted before the Lord. So that this hat uh, that the high priest was supposed to wear had a golden plate on the front with the mission of the priest written on it, which was uh, holiness to the Lord, or basically separated to serve God. And that's what was on his mind. That's what he thought about. That's why he chose to be strong and loving for us, is because his mind was dedicated to serving God. That's why Jesus says, I will bear with my children. I will love my children because, he says, I'm a servant of my father, and that's what he wants. And so that's why he chose to be that way for us. Hats or head coverings in the Bible uh, represent submission, which is very interesting. Okay, a lot of times we hear about women wearing head coverings in the New Testament, and that has to do with submission and that whole issue. And here we see the high priests were also to wear hats uh, to show that they were submitted uh, to God's will and God's way of thinking and not their own. And this was really important for the people because if you came in and your sin was that you stole the high priest's car, okay, the high priest could be like, screw you, I'm not forgiving you and I'm not bringing your sacrifice before the Lord and you can go to hell. Okay, But priests didn't, God didn't want the priest to do what they thought was right. He wanted them to be dedicated to God's will. And so they had to surrender and do what God wanted them to do. Okay? Now, this is really cool because Jesus also is pictured in this, that he was submitted and surrendered to the will of the Father, ready to do the Father's will. But Satan, he is a master, uh, he works in disguise, and he, he wants to imitate Jesus every chance he gets. And so we see a guy in the Bible named the Antichrist, and the Antichrist also We'll look at this verse in Ezekiel chapter 21, verse 25. This is about the Antichrist and the day that the Antichrist comes. He says, Now to you, O profane, wicked prince of Israel, whose day has come, whose iniquity shall end, thus says the Lord, remove the turban and take off the crown. Nothing shall remain the same. Exalt the humble and humble the exalted. Overthrown and overthrown, I will make it overthrown. It shall no, be no longer until he comes whose right it is, and I will give it to him. So this is in reference to the Antichrist. And the Antichrist wants to be in charge of both nations, like political things. That's why he wears a crown. And he wears a turban, and that's a religious sense of leadership. And, and so instead of him saying, I want to serve people with a crown and with a turban, he says, I want to dominate people with the crown and with the turban. I want to dominate every part of their lives. And so Jesus does wear a crown, right? But how do we often see his crown in the Bible? As a crown of thorns. Later, we see a crown of gold when he's glorified, but I just love that he says, yeah, I'll lead you, but the way I'm going to lead you and the way I'm going to uh, direct you is to suffer. That's how I'm going to lead you. And then he wears a turban, which is, shows the religious submission to God, saying, yes, I'll lead you in religion, but the religion I'm going to show you means we surrender to God the Father's will. 
We don't, it's not about me being the Pope with some weird turban that looks all crazy. Okay, so there's the turban for you. I love it. Next, we have the tunic and sash. And another word for sash is girdle. All right? My son wears a girdle for football. It holds him in place, right? Verse 39. You shall skillfully weave a tunic. So this is going to be the white part that on uh, everything that's white here. Um, a fine linen thread. And you shall make a turban of fine linen. You shall make a sash of woven work. The sash is going to be the, the girdle, uh, basically like the underwear. Um, for Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics, you shall make sashes, sashes for them, and you shall make hats for them for glory and beauty. Verse 41, you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with them. You shall anoint them, consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister to me as priests. Again, where is Aaron and what is he doing right now? Totally blaspheming God, totally into idolatry. And God's telling Moses, I want you to go clothe him with all these things. And Moses is going to be so angry at Aaron at the, at when he finally sees him. And to have Moses actually have a heart that wanted to do this is pretty crazy. We'll, we'll see more about that later. So this tunic and sash were like a girdle. And girding yourself up in the Bible is, is talking about serving or servants. It's, it's uh, servants' clothing. They would wear these linen girdle things. And in Hebrews 7.25, it says, Therefore he also is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So what we see is Jesus is always serving us. He never stops. He loves to serve us because he's strong and loves us. He bears us on his shoulders and he bears us on his heart. So he loves us. He loves to serve us. And so it says he makes intercession for you. He's always praying for you. This is the perfect servant, capable and willing. If you were to go to a servant class or way back in the day when people bought and sold servants, the two highest qualities that they could say a servant had was that he was strong to bear weight and that he was loyal or loving. He would love his master. If you had one and not the other, people wouldn't invest in that type of a servant. Oh yeah, he's super strong, but he's going to leave every chance he gets that wouldn't be someone that people would be interested in. Oh yeah, he'll sir, you know, he's he's great and loyal and loves me, but he can't even pick up a thimble. Like he's just a dork, right? That's also not going to work as well. But Jesus is the perfect example of a perfect servant. All right, the last thing we see here is truly their underwear. You shall make for them linen trousers to cover their nakedness. And they, they shall reach from the waist to the thighs, and they shall be on Aaron and his sons when they come into the tabernacle of meeting or when they come near to the altar to minister in that holy place that they do not incur iniquity and die. It shall be a statute forever to them, uh, to him and his descendants after him. So my only comment on that is, look, they have holy underwear. <laughs> that was a good one. I... Right? They're holy. It makes them holy, right? That's awesome. Okay. All right, so to conclude and wrap up here, this chapter shows us strength and love. Jesus, our great high priest, is prefigured to be strong and loving for us. Every single detail of the clothing of the high priest shows us something about his glory and beauty, and this is truly a supernatural book that we have. It's, it's 
powerful and it has these treasures hidden inside it. And if you just read through that chapter, you're like, great, what does that mean for me? I got nothing out of it. But look at when we ask the Holy Spirit to teach us the kind of things that he opens up our heart to understand. I value his word now more than bread because he is willing to show us great and mighty things, that things that we did not know as we seek him. This is a divine chapter. It was written centuries ago for your learning that we could know this. It's a glimpse into another dimension with heavenly realities taught to earthly people with common things like clothes and rocks and fabric. And yet God uses these things to touch our hearts. And so the question we have is, how strong and loving is our God? And will we believe it? He is strong enough to bear my weakness and sin upon his shoulders. As the high priest bore those heavy stones on his shoulders with the names of each member of Israel, so Jesus chose to carry the heavy weight of my sin when he took up the heavy cross on his shoulders. He bore it on his shoulders. My name was engraved on that cross and my sin as well. And he willingly picked up that cross and he bore it with passionate love for me. When no other man could do it, no one else could endure or would endure, no one had the strength of heart to bear that cross except Jesus for me. How strong and loving is our God? Well, he's loving enough to bear my name upon his heart. As the high priest bore individual stones upon his heart with the breastplate and on the ephod, so Jesus chooses to identify with me. He chooses me. His love for me is never taken off or set down. He wears it continually. He is passionate for me. He desires to walk with me and to teach me his ways, to implant his own heart into mine, And he chose to die a brutal and sacrificial death to demonstrate his complete and perfect love for me. He is the only person who will ever know everything about me and yet love me completely, provide all that I'll ever need at his own cost. He is the true great high priest, the perfect servant who loves me. Does this strength and love of Jesus move you? Does it move you? Or are we so callous that we say, I've heard this so many times before. I'm so, I've grown up in it. I know Jesus loves me. I know Jesus is strong. I don't really care. Being a follower of Christ is not about what we do, but it's about what he did for me and grabbing that, holding on to it in my heart what he can do in us. And finally, what he will do through us as we surrender our will to his will. He does these things. It's all about him and he gets the glory. Surrendering to his will seems to be the only right thing to do when we see that he has chosen to be my strength and my love. He's chosen. Why would I want to keep my will instead of 
choosing his will. It's not okay. It's not right. Man, man uses strength to dominate others, right? When someone's strong, when someone gains political power, they want to force their will on someone else. Jesus served people. Even though he was stronger than anybody, he could have called down legions of angels. He had authority and strength beyond measure. He chose to take off his clothes and serve people, washing their feet, to get up on the cross and allow them to murder him, serving them. Men use love to manipulate and to gratify themselves. And Jesus, he uses love to restore people, to forgive people, to heal people, to transform people. Jesus is loving. And boy, does it matter. It's so important for us. Hebrews 3.1 is the verse we started with. I'm going to end with it also. It says, Therefore, holy brethren, Who's that? It's you guys. Partakers of the heavenly calling. That's you guys. Partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Jesus, we pray that you would open our eyes to see who you really are. I want to thank you for this chapter. I want to thank you for the clothing of the high priest that helps us by your grace to see the perfectly designed pictures and images of who you are in your strength and your love. We are weak and we are void of love. No one has ever loved us perfectly and no one has ever been strong enough to save us from our sin that we've committed. And I pray that you would help us to abide in who you are and what you've done at all times. To teach us to only trust in your grace and not in our own efforts. To let you be our high priest, to let you be our strength, to be our love. We want to be just your people. Thank you for um, your grace that... that always bears with our weakness and forgives us. Lord, always loves us. We pray that we would, uh, in this time now where we have a time to worship you and reflect and sing songs and come take communion, Jesus, we pray that, um, that we would not let our minds drift to our trials and tribulations or anything else, Lord, but our, God, but our, our hearts would be just simply responding to the message of love that you have given us today. We are, we are broken and needy, and God, I pray that you would uh, meet us during this time. Help us to abide in your light. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.